He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God. Welcome to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom and insight, empowerment, and liberation. We are uh, promoting a knowledge that is engaging and transforming. And our goal here, every time we are on the air, every show we do, is to empower you, the listener to knowing and being and doing and impacting the world around you. And as always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. You do so in a lot of ways. And one of the ways you can do it by calling in a live line to get your thoughts in on the air, 347-237-5230. 347-237-5230. That's the number to call to get your thoughts live on the air. Chat room is not available right now. We've been having problems with that chat room for some weeks now. So uh, one of these days we'll get it together. But until then, uh, there's, uh, hey, till then, hit us up on the on the line. Hit us up. Follow us on Twitter at Prophesy. Uh, um, subscribe and li- like our Facebook page, Pastor Neil's Zero Network. I, I, we're on everywhere, man. Just anywhere you can think of, we are there. But we thank God that we're able to do that. We appreciate you for supporting this show over the last two years that we've been able to do it. Um, we're grateful. I always like to share zero is about showing seed, sowing seeds of life and liberation uh, through Christ. And we we enjoy it. You can do it. So you can call in. You can chat with us. You can Skype. However you want to do it, send us an email, PastorLorenzoNeal at gmail.com. However you want to do it, we'd love to hear from you. We thank God for each and every time we get the chance to hear from you. You share your thoughts, your insights, um, your gratitude. We We appreciate it. So we're looking forward to having a, uh, another wonderful show uh, show today, and we're grateful we have a, a guest that will be joining us uh, later on today, Reverend Richard Bullard. He's the pastor of Grace Evangelical Baptist Church, Pine Bluff, Arkansas. This guy is phenomenal, ex- excellent, uh, wonderful scholar and teacher, uh, and he'll have you thinking and pondering some things you never thought you would ever see. But we'll be discussing uh, uh, the black church uh Mystical experiences, uh, uh, existential, Afrocentric, uh, all that stuff that kind of gets overlooked. We're going to be discussing that, uh, and he'll share his perspectives from from that. Um, from that, uh, and that'll be uh, uh, shortly following our first break. He'll be on, and we'll be looking forward to having him and uh, getting his thoughts out there. So. 
Well, we made it through an interesting week last week, very interesting week of hurricanes and conventions, <laughs> political conventions. Uh, here in the in the South, we endured Hurricane Isaac, Tropical Storm Isaac, and um, while, um, while I'm glad it's over with, there's still a lot of people who are suffering, um, people who are struggling to get power uh, back on, flooding, uh, I, I mean, was, the flooding was, if not worse in some areas than Katrina, it was very, very uh, similar, uh, strikingly and eerily similar to Katrina, and um, I, I'm kind of disappointed uh, because it was overhyped, and I, I and, and, and I guess be, saying overhyped is, is a kind of extreme uh, well, what I think is that you know the media was looking for damage. I mean, they were looking, they were looking, they were bracing and and targeting New Orleans when they saw that the path of the the, the storm was going to come coastal, come online uh, on coast uh, in the New Orleans and the Gulf Coast area. You know, they were bracing for uh, whatever you can imagine. They were bracing, and you know, with, when when they failed to deliver. <laughs> Uh, in so many ways, in in the New Orleans, you know, uh, I guess they were testing the strength of the of the levees or whatever. But you know, it, it impacted Plaquemines uh, Parish, uh, Laplace, Louisiana. So I have family and friends there. Some were able to, uh, I mean, God bless them, where they didn't flood, they didn't get anything. But in other parts of that parish and uh, Laplace and other areas. I mean, the flooding was, uh, you probably saw it on television, you, you know, it, it was reminiscent of, of Katrina where people were being uh, helicoptered and lifted out their houses um, because of excessively flooding. And uh, the sad part is about it is that that area, part of that area did not receive disaster relief. You know, they weren't they weren't in that contingency area for disaster relief. Uh, Preparedness, but uh, as far as I know, they obviously they you know they did get they did get what was necessary. But it's a sad thing. And I'm just glad it was it passed and it didn't do a lot of damage and it went all the way up as far as Arkansas. I got some pictures of friends. Uh, uh, some of my friends um, took pictures of flooding in Little Rock and some flooding in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, and South uh, Southeast Arkansas. I was like, wow, that was you know some of the some of the rain going up there, but. Thank God it it passed, and all the other uh, two other named storms. There's uh, tropical systems. They are uh, seemingly not coming toward our <laughs> our way. So that's a good thing. And on the flip side of that, we had the Republican National Convention last week, and it was mixed. I, I viewed it, and I had mixed uh, mixed views on on it. Uh, of course, the representation. You know that was to be expected. Uh, the platform, um, what they put put forth there, is, is still kind of questionable. But at least they have a solid platform. Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm being uh, if you've been watching these conventions, uh, you know I watched uh, beginning of the Democratic National Convention last night. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, I, I'm sorely disappointed in the American government uh, system, political system. You know, we have a two-party system that is, in my opinion, is one that is limiting and uh, failing. And, you know, uh, and they're both largely partisan anyway and, and still mostly 
exclusivist. Uh, you might not have to. You may you may not agree with that, but uh, from my perspective, both parties are, are largely exclusive. For example, you know the Republican Party, although there are minorities within it, Hispanics, Latino, uh, Hispanics, Latinos, even blacks, uh, homosexuals, and you know uh, they're represented and they were represented at the uh, convention and tried to show diversity. I don't think they did a good enough job of showing diversity. And then on the flip side of that, you have the Democratic National Convention. Uh, committee in their convention, and here you see the diversity of the crowd. But what what gets me is the exclusivity because unfortunately it is seemingly overrun by celebrities. Every every picture of um, you know I have several friends who are there in Charlotte this week, and several friends who were in uh, Tampa last week. Um, and in this week, uh, I mean it's just like a hub for celebrities. I have they've been sending me pictures of them with. Celebrities like Alfred Woodard, um, you name it, who's not there. And and I think about, for example, I think about uh, the slack, uh, all all the all the slamming that BB Winings got just for singing at the national at the Republican convention, and how it, uh, it's been reported that his invitation was withdrawn from uh, Democratic national. I don't, I can't verify that, uh, so I'm just saying what. You know, it's more hearsay than factual. But he was slammed. You know, he was slammed for performing at Republican National Convention. And, <laughs> oh, speaking of <laughs> this, this is just funny. I, I, you got to excuse me. This is kind of a sign tangent. But I, I was reading through the headlines and um, read where the rapper, singer, whatever she is, Nicki Minaj, <laughs> rapped about voting for Mitt Romney and I <laughs> she got slammed and I had to, I went and you know it was on a Lil Wayne track uh, so I, I went and listened for myself and the, the small little line that she mentions that um, I didn't seem anything like an endorsement to me but um, her fans were <laughs> it's just amazing how intolerant some of them are. I mean, they slammed her just for even mentioning Mitt Romney. And if if if, if our political climate is that divisive, uh, where if you cannot even mention a pull, you know, a counterparty or another candidate, then you know that that's a serious problem. And and, and that's the other thing. That's what I say about the um. The, the two-party system. I, I mean, most people, you know, they don't even wa- aren't even aware about the Green Party, the Liber- uh, Libertarian Party, the Constitutional Party, um, and and on and on, who actually have full candidates for president, and these persons are not even getting the recognition. Uh, but they have loyal part, you know, loyal support. They have their convention. They have that. But this this is. The political landscape is dominated by this two-party system, and it's not doing anything. It's not doing justice for the people because it's so divisive. Uh, uh, it, it's more. It, it's it doesn't do anything to help the um, political environment. It does not reflect fully reflect the pluralism that is form, found in this country. But that's a whole different thing. It's a different tangent. I just, you know, that's my little rant for the morning.
Hold it to my head, charge it to my heart. Charge it to my heart, not my head. Charge it to my head. Not my <laughs> I didn't have coffee this morning, guys. Yeah, yeah, got to excuse me, got to excuse me. But so so people are indulging in these um these uh conventions and and I, I put up on my Facebook page if you wanted to make a comment about Michelle Obama's speech last night, feel free. I I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Um I think she did a wonderful job of attempting to present uh the case for Barack Obama uh as far as a re election and making him out to be uh a normal person. But, you know, that's her job. She's that's her husband, her job is to to paint the picture of him in such a way that is both receptive and um, homely, and without bringing in all the other stuff that people are, uh, con- you know, contesting the economy. Uh, we're now up to a six trillion dollar uh, debt, uh, jobs, uh, unemployment still over eight uh, percent, still over twelve percent for the black Americans. Um, you know the common rhetoric that is spewed out uh by by both uh by, largely by the Republican party but you know and the the seemingly uh discontentment for a large uh a large amount of people who in 08 rallied behind him and now are seemingly uh um you know they they're in this state of disillusionment i guess you can say so I hope Reverend Bullard brings some sense and help us uh, raise our consciousness so that we'll be uh, have a greater sense of that as we go into uh, this election cycle. Well, that's my rant for the for the minute. We're going to take a quick break, and on the, uh, when we come back from the break, our guest will be joining us, Reverend Richard Bullard, and uh, he'll be enlightening us on a lot of things. So. I'm ready to hear from that, hear from him, and I'm ready to see what we can learn. So we're going to come back after this break and be listening for the Those of you who've listened to my show uh, realize that uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, my computer crashed on me, and I had lost just—I thought I lost just about everything on my computer, all my important files and documents. But then I remembered that I had security. I had my files backed up automatically by Carbonite.com. Now, here's the good thing about Carbonite.com—they have the same encrypted technology that is used uh, for security, uh, e-commerce transactions, all that stuff. They got it right, and then they house it in state-of-art data centers that's guarded 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I wasn't worried because I knew my files were automatically backed up. And here's the good thing. I, I didn't have to worry about retrieving them either because I could access my files from any computer anywhere in the world. So if, if, if you, you feel like you're going to lose your stuff, 
I recommend Carbonite.com because that's the place to go. You don't have to worry about the cost either because they have a price for every budget you can imagine. Not only that, but if you go to that site today, you could get a 15-day free trial right now if you go in today. That's Carbonite.com for all your online backing needs. All they do is back up your files online. They don't do anything else. You can be guaranteed that all of your important documents, everything that you love on your computer will be safe and secure. Check them out today at Carbonite.com for your online backup. To pay, and we give you a range of coverages to choose from. Who is she? That's Flowbot. She's this new robot we're trying out, mostly for, like, small stuff. Wow. Look at her go. She's pretty good. Pretty good. Hey, Flowbot. Great job. Oops. Uh-oh. Flowbot is broken. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. Call or click today. Good morning, Freedom. Hello, adventure. Today is yours. To find your can-do spirit, your will-do strength, to chart new paths and rediscover old ones. Capability has found its versatility, making all days and all terrains equal. Go ahead. Raise your hands. Lower your foot. Make pursuit of the unexpected unrelenting. Today is yours to go find your power. And where you'll find it is within. Good morning to you. 
I, I appreciate How you doing? You. I I'm awake. <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm awake. Uh, it's been a long two days, uh, but God has blessed me to see another day. So I, I have no complaints. I just didn't get my coffee in me, so I'm gonna have to make up for that. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm glad. Have, it's good to be on the show. Thank you for uh, inviting me, and I hope I can be of great service to you today. Well, I'm sure you will, and I appreciate you accepting that invita- uh, the, the invitation. Now, I, I've always been—I'm gonna tell you—I've always been fascinated with you, uh, your conception of ministry, and your conception and how you uh, present it. Um, uh, you know, you you when I was in Arkansas, you were one of the most distinct ministers that I encountered in, while I was there. See, you know, you weren't the average Baptist preacher, and I uh, in a town where preachers were not a dime a dozen, but a penny. There's <laughs> uh, a lot of us around here. Yeah, I was always amazed when I was in Arkansas how many past how many preachers, huh? And I'm not even going to get started on the churches because, oh, Lord, that's a whole different thing. But uh, for my listening audience, can you share a little bit about your background, um, um, how you got where you are? Tell us, uh, you know, your testimony, how you want to go, how you want to do about that, go about doing that. Okay, no problem. As you well know, I was raised here uh, in Pine Bluff, Arkansas. I'm the adopted son of uh, Geraldine and Lucas Bullard. Uh, they raised me here. They're my uh, parents, and uh, they raised me like pretty much everybody else is raised here in a traditional Baptist church. Uh, they were pretty much a middle-class family who held on to middle-class values of the importance of family, education, uh, community service, you know, Protestant work ethic, and um, and church attendance. I eventually uh, graduated from Dollarway High School in 1976, and then went on to uh, study psychology at the University of Arkansas at Fayetteville, and finished there with my undergraduate degree there. While I was there at the uh, University of Arkansas, I uh, <clears throat> got over my basketball dreams, and eventually I um, uh, felt the call, the unction to uh, Christian service in the form of uh, of, of ministry. And uh, so I accepted my call in the ministry, as you know. That's the custom of what it has vocalized or, or languaged. I uh, accepted my call into the ministry, uh, finished college in 1980, and went on to a uh, uh, seminary in, uh, in Dallas, Texas, the uh, Dallas Theological Seminary, and uh, did my master's degree and started on my Ph.D. degree there at Dallas Theological Seminary. And um, I uh, got a call um I think around 1985, I think it was, to uh, to come and serve as interim minister here in Pine Bluff at the church where I uh, was raised, uh, St. Paul uh, Baptist Church. I did a stint there for about six months, and um, uh, I decided at that time at the end of that to uh, start a church. Um, I knew that um, I needed to be at a kind of church uh, that really wasn't in existence, at least around me. And that was a church that was um, committed to the expository teaching and preaching of the Bible as the Word of God. Um, I wanted to be in a church that was uh, politically active, uh, socially conscious, and 
really dealt with uh, spiritual practices to awaken the uh, inner spiritual faculties of man and woman. And so um, with those type of four directions, I uh, uh, had about a group of people, no more than maybe about 15. We started on my aunt's porch, and eventually we named the church Grace Evangelical Baptist Church. Um, and then uh, from there, you know, it's pretty much uh, history. And we've uh, been around for about 27, well, soon to be 27 years in February. And, you know, we eventually... Uh, Ministry increased, and we built a building and located at 4210 Ohio Street here in Pine Bluff, and um, that's what I've been doing. And you well know, um, been involved in a lot of um, uh, social activities to try to in, in, enlighten and improve the uh, quality of life here in Pine Bluff, and um, and um, that's pretty much uh, in a nutshell uh, some of the things that I've had to uh, experience. And, and what makes you different is uh, from from what I've seen. Uh, you, you you talked about you know aware bringing awareness of you know so raising the social aware, consciousness and dealing more with the um, the deeper uh, realms of Christianity, expository preaching and 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 what I would like to call the mystical side of Christianity. And, I, and that's what I really want to get in touch talk about. Um, Okay. Now, you 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 some people would consider, consider, uh, consider you uh afrocentric, mystical, uh uh I, I don't even know any other words, but you know, non non-traditional definitely. Um and why 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 do you think we need to have that brought back into the church? That that deep sense of the the mystical, the the um, deeper the deeper experience, and I know we get into it. Uh, I know a lot of black churches that tap into the mystical mystical side, you know, with what they would call spiritual gifts, but you know, some of it's just a lot of sensationalism. But uh, yeah. why do you think we why do you think we need to get into that uh, in, as as the black church, you know? The expository well, side and and that side. Well, let me just let me just start with the the the, the point about the uh, what you refer to as the mystical side of the church, uh, because um, to make a very long story short, um, and then I can you know go into it as as deep as you want me to go and everything. But let's just start this way: it's for power. It's for power. Uh, if you go back, and, and as you well know, being a, a veteran in the, in the ministry yourself, is that one of the key distinctions that the Apostle Paul and Jesus and the other apostles uh, would set them apart was that their gospel didn't come just in word. It came in with power. Yeah, exactly. So that's the difference. And when, when the church does not have power, when it does not have the ability to affect reality in a very in a very significant way, it becomes nothing more than uh, a human institution. The church is a divine human institution, and our divinity aspect is our ability to make a difference in life, not just through agencies of politics and education, the basic world institutions, but we have the ability to tap into 
the true essence, the true nature of humanity, and that is and that is its connection to the divine, to the all, to the to what I call the source. And and therein lies our power. And when and what I see today um is that in our and it's good to have relationships, it's good to have connections to political institutions, medical institutions, social institutions, educational institutions, intellectual institutions. All that is, is great. But we should not divorce ourselves and think that we are totally just dependent upon the paradigms of those human institutions. Um, we have another gear. We have a higher perspective. We, as a church, we have the ability to affect reality because because we have something called prayer. We have the gifts of the spirit. We have uh, a connection to the higher realms of reality. And this is where we, through the power of prayer and meditation and other levels of invocations, we can affect our social or the human realm, for lack of a better word. Just we can affect all things. And when and and one of the things that's affected us as times go, we have as black people, because of our introduction into uh, a society that maybe 40, 50 years ago we were denied, and we had nobody to depend upon but God and but spirit and but each other. Because of now of our inclusion, and we've been allowed into higher uh, institutions of learning and other places like that. To a large extent, our people have have put limitations on, on spirit and God and what it can do. And and many times we look with a jaundiced eye, with a wink in our eye, when we when people talk about the power of prayer, miracles, uh things of such of that nature, they look at it and say, Yeah, 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 that's good, but you know, and it's more or less turned into wishing rather than the idea of uh, that you really can affect nature, you can affect the body with the power of prayer and other things that we have. And, you know, if you go back, uh, uh, Pastor Lorenzo, uh, if you go back and you talk to our great-grandparents, you know, uh, they were connected to spirit embodying itself in nature. They believed in that. They didn't have access to doctors and, and all that kind of stuff, but they believed that there was something in the herb, there was something in the power of the command of the word that made a difference. And it wasn't an option whether or not you would go to church. There was no option. You go in church because they felt that if you didn't know enough about Daniel and the lion's den and Noah and his ark and Moses and the children of Israel crossing the Red Sea, if you didn't understand those stories and understand them in a way, not just simply literally, but understand them in a way that was life transforming. They didn't care how much education you had. They would say you just an educated fool, yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. and that's how they would look at you. Um, so we have to return and reconnect with our ancestors, not just the ones we left in Africa, but even to our ancestors that we left back in the cotton fields of, you know, of all time, our, our Wabasika, uh, all these other little towns. We got to re- we have to reconnect and understand the mystical power that they wielded with the with the with the uh with the power of their faith. Yeah. Let, let let's explore that a little bit. And you mentioned two things that uh, that that caught my attention. One you talk about uh other invocations. 
and I know that struck a chord with a lot of people because um, I know in my church, um, I, <laughs> I sometimes use a pluralistic approach to prayer and to to um, to everything, and you know it kind of throws a wimp, uh, throws some people out of sync because they, you know, they're not as you know their construct of religion and particularly black the black church experience is only within one construct and that is you know is we we go here we sit down the preacher preach we go home right and, and uh so they never get that they never get further most never get further than that and then you know there are a lot of those who have that ecstatic experience they may have uh the tongues or all the other other manifestations that people are, are using these days, the charismata. But um, how how um, what are what are some 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 ways that that the black church folk can actually get back in tune? How can they? Uh, you know, you you talked about meditation. You talked about high invocation. What explain what that is and how how they how simple it is how they can go about doing it. Well, first of all, we we have to understand that that this is not just hocus pocus, some uh, imaginary fantasy. Uh, we live in a spiritual world. We live in a world whereby the physical world is a manifestation of a higher order, the celestial realm. And one of our great allies today that be, that has begun to um, uh, open this reality back up to us today is in the area of quantum physics. And, yeah, um, exactly. And, and so in this particular study, without necessarily going into the details of it, um, many quantum physicists have understood that that the, that matter is not primary. Matter is an emanation, is an emanation or a secondary to uh, a, another order, a um, order that, 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 that would be called the uh, quantum world whereby it opens the door to say things like um, thought precedes matter. In other words, before before something is physical, it is it is it is it is mental, it is emotional. And yes, we can dare even go to the point that it is it is spiritual. In other words, all that all that we see here and uh, experience in the physical world, for example, uh, let me just say that says all that we see here and experience in the physical world is a manifestation of unseen forces that 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 are conscious, that have intelligence, um, and and therefore we begin to underscore, underscore and, rem, and, re, and remember the power of the mind, the power of the mind. There's one spirit. Man. Let me just say one thing about the quantum physics part. There's there's one experiment called the double slit experiment, whereby uh, they were basically they are looking at the power of observation, and these electrons that were shot through a double slit, when when they were not looked at, these are, these are the level of the electrons. These, these are un, things you don't see with the naked eye. They acted in one way, and they went through the slits like as it's, uh, um, as expected, but when they were uh, looked at, they act. They responded to the way the observation, or the one who was doing the observation, 
was looking. In other words, these electrons recognized that they were being observed, and when they were being observed, they acted one way, and when they were not being observed, they acted another way. That wow. began to open up people to the reality that that thought and observation changes reality. Now, that's a very profound. That's a very profound. It was done at the at the microscopic level, and there's evidence to say that obviously we do know that a person's thoughts and feelings uh, 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 can impact uh, our outer world. How you think about something, how you feel about something, we know in the, in the spiritual world as your belief. And there are other physicians and physicists who have been using this. Uh, just throw out a, a word, a name of a, a particular person that you can get and buy and read about his work is uh, Dr. Bruce Lipton. Yeah. It's called I, I, The Biology of Belief. And yeah. it shows how how our belief uh, affects the the way our genes express themselves and it affects in terms of, um, you know, the quality of our health, thought. And we do know the Bible says in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God. And it says and that Word became flesh. So we understand that all things that are seen comes from the world of the unseen. That's what quantum physics has begun to see. So that brings us to understand that we're not dealing with hocus-pocus fantasy, just some stuff that's just uh, made up in our mind, wishful thinking. We're dealing with a higher science that says that, says that prayer, which is not just hoping and wishing, but prayer is actually a weapon. Prayer is a tool, if I say a better word than a weapon. Prayer, prayer is a tool that can change reality. What we need to know is how to uh, pray in an effective way. How do we energize our prayer in such a way where our prayers have energy? And um, I would introduce another writer. He's a, he's an engineer. And he talks about the lost mode of prayer, and and that is that the key to prayer is feeling, is your feeling. What are you feeling? And um, and that's a very important tool. Therefore, when we have that faith, that feeling of certainty, that begins to give your prayer energy rather than, as you know, doubt or skepticism. You know, double-mindedness and everything. That, yeah, yeah, see, now you're, you're using these words that are metaphysical, uh, energy and, and force. And, and, you know, for a lot of Christians, those words, are, you know, bring a lot of, they bring a lot of um, bad thoughts, you know, because they, some of them equate that with New Age thinking. and uh, yeah, But I know on, on the extreme charismatic side, they were using the word force and energy as equal to faith um is that the same is that in is that considered the same perspective the same way uh like if for example uh, one of, I want to say either Kenneth Copeland or one of those guys was saying faith is a force or something like that well if he said that I'm not necessarily in the tradition of uh, of the charismatic or or uh the pentecostal uh, faith I'm not in, I'm I don't come from that tradition um, 
you know, my basic is, um, you know, perspective that I come from, um, let's say, a, um, a a kind of a broad view of of religious experience as a systematic theologian and as a person who tries uh, to understand all phenomena. So I'm not necessarily limited to, let's say, a particular expression of of spirit. But if he said that, that faith is a force, um, then I would agree because faith is a very powerful ally in in um in, in it's a powerful ally into experiencing the power of God or the power of spirit as we say. And uh, because I think the Bible itself says he who comes to God must come by faith. So to get to to actually begin to activate that higher realm of divinity or spirit, uh how we come to it how we approach it, either in belief or unbelief, in faith or in doubt, makes a difference in terms of its expression in us and through us, and yes, even for us. All right. I, and I, I also. Take, mm-hmm, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go, go ahead and finish your thought. When you finish that thought, I got to take a quick break, and uh, when we come back from the great break, we'll go a little bit more into that. But go ahead and finish your thought. Well. I'll, I'll say this, and we can come back and talk about it after the break. Um, I want to – one of the points that I'm trying to make here is that not all prayers are the same. And the question we should ask is that what what are some prayers and what are some means of pray that actually gives your prayer power or force? Okay. All right, yeah, we, we could, we'll come back to that right after this break. Uh, and I, I also want to – I also wanted to talk about um since we touched on this a little bit about uh getting inclusive um about this the visit of religious and uh political uh, eurocentric acceptance that we've gotten that's having an impact on the black church so that that's another thing I want to talk about once we come back from the break so we'll be back right after this Good morning freedom Hello, adventure. Today is yours. To find your can-do spirit, your will-do strength, to chart new paths and rediscover old ones. Capability has found its versatility, making all days and all terrains equal. Go ahead. Raise your hands. Lower your foot. Make pursuit of the unexpected unrelenting. Today is yours to go find your power. And where you'll find it is within. The Game of Life with the Prius C, a high-stakes world where some descend into total loserdom while others triumphantly return home to their Tudor houses. The real game of life is no more forgiving, but luckily you're ready to grab it by the throat and jujitsu it into submission. And with all the important things to do and places to go, you're going to need a game piece that will move you to the next level. That car, my friends, is the all-new 53-mile-per-gallon rated Prius C. 
from Toyota. It was a bad day. It was a bad day. And the great outdoors. We make a great pair. Right. Totally. Uh, that's what I was thinking. All kinds of vehicles, all kinds of savings. Multi-policy discounts from Progressive. Call or click today. All right, welcome back to Zero of the Day. Again, I'm your host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Joining me is uh, Pastor Richard Bullard, Pastor Grace Evangelical Baptist Church, author, theologian, scholar, uh, overall wonderful man of God. And we've been discussing, whoa, I don't even know how to categorize what we've been discussing. <laughs> but but before the break, we were talking about prayers being a force and uh uh, Richard, you talked about uh, different kinds of prayers, and uh, you want to uh, continue that train of thought? Uh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, one of the things I have learned, even through um, uh, one of my uh, teachers, people who um, people who have uh, instructed me and kind of guided me and given me some insights on the uh, the nature of prayer and other and other things about scientific, medical, and spiritual reality all being a part of the same order. And everything is uh, Dr. Mitchell Gibson, and um, and you know he has he introduced me um, about four years ago to a, a prayer called um, the Anabakoa, the Miracle Prayer, as he as he terms it, because through this prayer, the force of the miraculous is expressed through it, and uh, the prayer is um, is spoken or sung in ancient Aramaic or a, a, a kind of a, a derivative of a Hebrew. And uh, would you like to hear it? Yes, please share. Okay. It's called the, the Miracle Prayer. He calls it the Miracle Prayer. It's, it's an official name. It's the Honorable Corps. It's about a prayer that's like 3,500 years old. Uh, it's a Jewish prayer. And uh, people, plants, animals, have felt the power of this force when they have just listened to it. And it's even more expressed if you know it by heart and you make it a part of your daily practice. It goes something like this. Anabakoa, Gijula Yemeneka, Natir Tessera, Kabel Renat, Ancha Saganu, Tarinu Nora, Nagabor, Doshe Yegateka, Kavashar, Bakam Taram, Rakamez, Zidateka, Tamir Golem, Kasin Kadosh, Bertuka, Nahel Alateka, Lakikihe, the Amchapanez, Okre, Kedushitega, Shapatinu, Kabel, Ushma, Satagadu, Yodea, Talamo, Beirut, Shem, Kebo, Mekutan, Leon, Faye. That's the miracle prayer. And, wow. um, and it's, it's written and, or spoken or sung in Aramaic. Um, and I asked him, I said, uh, Dr. Gibson, um, what makes this prayer, and there are others, don't get me wrong, there are others, uh, what makes this prayer? 
fell profound. What different than anything? Nothing than any other prayer. And he says, just like a tree, like a redwood tree or some of those trees that have been around for a long time, uh, they have been connected to the ground. The older the prayer, the more times it's been prayed, that energy of the the, the, the the prayer and the people who are praying, the length is the time has been prayed, it carries a it carries more energy because it has been spoken more time, it's more uh, uh it's older. Just like a tree that's been in the ground a long time. It's had a chance to soak up a lot of the earth's energy and that's why it lasts so long. Its power to live is so long. Prayer is the same way, he said. And the older the languages are, the older languages for example, languages such as, uh, like I said, Aramaic, Hebrew, mm-hmm. the uh, Sanskrit languages, uh, a lot of the African, ancient African languages. Uh, think about all the number of people who have prayed and been connected with God. Those languages, uh, a, those those words in the language, the letters of the of the of the language, uh, are able to contain and hold the force of God in them. And they're more powerful than English in the English language. For example, uh, another uh, prayer that that is a what they call a divine world prayer is the Lord's prayer. Yes. Particularly when it's spoken in its in original. Greek. Yes. No, in Aramaic. In Aramaic. Yeah. Yes. In Aramaic, particularly when it's spoken in that, and um, which which was the language that Jesus spoke, uh, and so. That prayer is a very powerful prayer. The very prayer itself, the very sound of the prayer, whether you whether whether a person knows Aramaic or not, is not really that important. It is it is the vibration that the prayer has. The very sound of the prayer, like I said, like I said earlier, in the beginning was the word. It is the vibration, and the higher your consciousness is. The higher your consciousness is, the 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 greater the vibration and the more power that that sound has to bring you closer to God and to the power of God. For example, if a person let me put it another way, if a person is a person who's very depressed or a person who's very angry or feels guilty. Those are those are types of emotions that have a very dense and heavy vibration, and that frequency, that sound, uh, actually pulls you down. It actually holds you down, and you're not able to even to have the power to do more things because the the the, the emotions that you carry. And you are making a sound, you are making a vibration, a frequency, and it is a very low frequency. And it keeps you entrapped, entangled in everything that is attracted to that vibration. You've heard the expression, birds of the feather flock together. We've heard that expression. Well, why is that? Because like attracts like. Like. And therefore, as long as you're on that channel, on that frequency of depression or fear, or guilt, everything else, every entity, every other entity uh, that lives at that frequency is attracted to you. But when you when you raise your thought and your emotional vibration, 
to things that are higher, lighter, as Jesus would say, the light, then those lower frequencies cannot live at that high level. So the key is to be around high voltage, high frequency, uh, high vibrational forces or energy or attitude or emotions. And it begins then you begin to attract all those all those thoughts, feelings, entities that live at the higher level. So at the lower level are the what we would call the more uh, negative spirits, more demonic spirits. They tra- they traffic in the lower levels, and they seek to hold people trapped in those lower levels. And life becomes hard. It becomes dreary. It becomes it's like carrying around a weight on you. But if a person could change their thoughts and could change their emotions, if they can change the way they view the world, then they would gain the power to make a change in their lives, which means adjusting your own personal frequency of your soul. And that's what those prayers like that are able to do. They lift you up to a higher level, either through song or through prayer or expression. That's the power of them. This is not anything new. I may be right. expressing it in, in different languages, but this is stuff that we have always known as a people. We've just forgotten. And, and that's that, I, I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the things that I, I mentioned is, and you, you brought it up also in uh, uh, uh last segment, was that, um, you know, in this past 50, 60 years of inclusion that we've experienced as black Americans, African Americans, or whatever we choose to be called now, uh, we've negated that deep sense of spirituality. And um, so how can we reincorporate that in in this type of, um, now that we've indulged, or I I would go so far as say it's overindulged in this Eurocentric Idealism, uh, Christianity, religion, religious expression and experience. Uh, how can we reconnect? What 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 is the best way to reconnect? And I know you say prayer is one of doing that. And uh, I'm gonna draw this quick out. You know, we're so used to extemporaneous prayers. You know, we get up there and we you know say it off the top of our heads. And you know, if people say Amen, it must be. A good prayer, but how can we break away from that and get to that deeper mystical, uh, relational uh, well, aspect of the, Christianity? That's a good question. It's a very good question. It's a, it's a, it's kind of a um, a four part answer to that, and it's very, and I can give it to you real quickly. Um, number one, let me just say that God or spirit is the source from which we move, live, and have our being. Nothing exists Nothing exists in our reality that did not ultimately come from the spirit realm, did not ultimately come from God. God is the foundation. God is in you, operating through you, and I would even add to say God is expressing himself as you. Now, therefore, there's really nothing you really need to do but be still. Because yeah. if you're still enough, you will hear that small, still voice 
that speaks to you. Oftentimes, in we're in this world where where we're living, we're so caught up in survival mode. We're trying to get this to pay a bill, or we're trying to get there to make more money to be to get more status in the world. And so many times we're moving, we're burning the candle at both ends. We're moving very fast. So the ancient spiritual traditions would say, "Be still." And therefore, I always recommend that it's important that a person begin with a spiritual practice, spiritual practice, even before we engage the mind, because the mind oftentimes is the problem. But uh, but the fact is, is that we need that we need to learn just to be still and sit in silence. You might want to go outside on a on a month, on a on a early morning or a late afternoon if you can if you have a beach in your area where you can go out and hear the waves of the ocean come and go, or just, as the old folk would do, go out and sit on the porch under <laughs> a tree and just be still and know that I am God, I, I, that, I, 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 am, preached, that I am I am. I preached a sermon on that one time at one of the churches I pastored, and I told them the best, uh, the greatest uh, moments of worship is when you're alone, Nothing, yeah. no one, and I said the greatest moment of worship in the in the assembly of the church of the people is when they can be silent in the church, and yeah, a lot silent. of and I I, I titled the sermon my the sermon was titled "Be Quiet in God's House," and <laughs> and you know of course I got got a, a lot of amens just from the title, but as I went into it, they begin to understand you know like I and I I I, 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 I Allegorize the body, the human body, as well as the church body. Said there are moments that you just need to be be still. Know that He's God. Be quiet. Don't do anything. And I began to practice that. I began. I began to practice that. Um, The breathing. I I do. I do breathing. uh, Yeah. Meditation. I do um, sitting meditation. Now that I have a puppy, I do a lot of running meditation. (laughs) That's good. That's part of it. Part of meditation. But I yeah. but I've had a hard time, you know. Uh, I won't say a hard time. It's, it's difficult as a pastor incorporating that into the worship experience. I, I've I've had some success, but most people resist it because it ain't church like, you know. I know, I know, and that's a part of that's a part of um, the problem because as black people, we've been through an experience of. Denial and deformity and destruction, what they call the ma'afa. Um, our spiritual traditions were, our connections to our ancient spiritual traditions were broken. And we had to develop on the fly in the context of oppression um, our spiritual uh, spirituality. We It's not that black folk came here to America without God. They, we, 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 the idea of God we gave the world the first idea of God. We are the we are the we are the we are the originators of every major religion in the world. It begins in Africa, and oftentimes it was centered in Ethiopia uh, and moved up to the up the Nile Valley to what we know today as, as Egypt or what I would call Kemet, and that's where some of the greatest expressions of divinity. There's nowhere in the world. You could build a pyramid that is at least uh, 10,000 years old and, and no doubt older that 
built on a science that we don't even know today in terms of how they were able to build such a thing without these earth movers, and yet they did without people having some contact with with um, with God. And and the, all the miseducation that has occurred based upon how people viewed the ancient Africans, whether in the north, east, or south, or west. We have been victims of a, of a tremendous uh, misprogramming or programming of self-hate and ignorance. And we, in starting our religions and adapting to the Christian religion, given the image of a white Jesus and all the theology that's around in that, we have, we have developed and have done great with what we've done. But the time has come that we have to grow up. We have to upgrade our faith. We have to return and begin to look at our ancient practices, our ancient knowledge. Knowledge, as a matter of fact, it's not that we have to go back to Africa. We have to go back and study all the children of Africa, that some some lived in China and Japan and Vietnam, some lived yes. in India, some lived in Europe, some lived in, in the Western Hemisphere of America, we have to go back and understand that all all of that, all of that comes from a, from a single source, and we have to begin to understand that that when our people were acknowledging or or adorning or, or had an adoration or admiration or connection to trees or to the sun or to nature as a whole, that they weren't worshiping the physical object. They were recognizing that that object could not be there if it was not for the spirit that was in all things, through all things, manifesting it. Even the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament, tells us that uh, it says the heavens and the earth testify to the glory of God. Heavens declare the glory of God. And the sky is firmament, And day by day is speaking a message. So when you go out there and you're meditating in nature, what you're doing, you are reconnecting with a medium through which the source, God, is speaking. And you've got to hear it. And some of the best times of your life will be when you sit still and don't talk to God. Let God talk to you. That's the difference between prayer and meditation. Prayer is you talking to God. Meditation is God talking to you. So when you get still, pay attention, like you said earlier, pay attention to your breath. You're breathing in and you're breathing out. It is amazing how not only will your blood pressure and your heart slow down and stop racing and your worries and, and, and your anxieties will decrease, but you will begin to hear that small, still voice and get direction. You're, you begin to feel God. You begin to embody the power of God. You're not just... Uh, looking at God as an external force outside of you, but you are experiencing God within your body when you walk and when you swim and when you run. It becomes a part of you. The other thing we have to do, that's your spiritual practice. you got to have an intellectual practice. And by that I mean, uh, uh, Lorenzo, is that many people in the church, after 20 years or 30 years, and you know this, after 40 years in the church, their understanding intellectual understanding of spirit, God, the Bible, even their own faith is no different than it was when they were twelve. They have not they have not increased their understanding. 
and therefore, as Paul will say, they still think, speak, and understand as a child. And they live a they live a, a schizophrenic life. In church, they are one way thought. In the world of the magical and the mystical. And in the world, they are all rational and reasoning and, and, and all that kind of stuff. And they, they put their mind on hold when they come into church. And they pick up their spirit. And when they leave church, they go right back into their mind. What I'm saying is that people have to begin to increase. They have to increase and upgrade. We as preachers have to begin to connect our people to all that we left behind. And that requires an intellectual study, introducing them to deeper thoughts. Sometimes it means going outside of your faith tradition and studying the Hindu and studying the Buddhist and studying the uh, the uh, ancient religions because they may have a part, because nobody has it all, they may have a part of the spiritual teachings that you left behind or you didn't get, that if you got it, it will enhance your practice of your service or your ministry today. And so we have to be willing to evolve and understand that we are always evolving or emerging. We're always in development mentally, spiritually, and socially. It is when it is when we stop developing and begin to say, I got it, um, I have arrived, that we begin to create wars and fights and conflict between young folk and old folk and all that kind of stuff. So we have to always be open to allow God to teach us something new. And uh, I will also say that these other two points, uh, I said you got to have your spiritual practice, your intellectual practice. You need to have a physical practice. Uh, and by that I mean, like you, like you said, you walk with your dog, walking and swimming and doing aerobics. Those things are good because when you begin to feel better in your body, when your blood is flowing and you are healthy, that's nothing more than the power of God moving through your body, giving you flexibility in your joints and knees. So, therefore, everybody should be thinking about how they're eating, you know, how they're moving. Eat, eat foods, I would say eat foods that are nutritious, that, that are filled with life force energy, like raw foods, uh, uh, properly cooked foods, like in the Jewish and some of the Islamic uh, Muslim countries, they, they have their own dietary laws. Well, we, you don't necessarily have to have a law, just have some common sense and say that um, eating a apple and a orange or eating something that is green uh, and healthy makes you feel better, and as you feel better, you will do better. You, you know, I mean, it's understandable that you want to run for the Lord, but what if you can't run? You know, what's the issue with that? And then finally, everybody needs, I think, uh, not only an intellectual practice, a spiritual practice, a physical practice, but they also need a psychotherapeutic practice because yeah. we have this thing called the ego, you know, that wants to be all about me, myself, and I. And sometimes we don't, the ego will hide in the very last place you'll look. <laughs> and so we have to deal with our darkness, our dark side. Hmm. Sometimes it's good to have somebody to talk to to tell you, you're not all that, Lorenzo, in the, in the, in the bag of chips. This is, you, you, you treat people wrong. I'm not talking about you personally. I don't know that. But I'm just saying sometimes <laughs> you need somebody whereby you can confess your faults. 
I haven't left the biblical tradition. I'm right there within you. Confess your faults to one another. And you can't do it to everybody. You've got to do it to those people who can, who can actually take on your darkness and without a fear of somebody just going out and just telling everybody. So we have to have a practice of confession, of accountability, you know, with one another. So I can really say, you know what, I'm wrong. I need to be quiet, stop talking so much, get my ego out of it. See, and if, if, if we practice these consistently, imagine what type of energy we can create and power we can have within our spiritual traditions. I think that's what we need to do. That, that's, that's a summary, but, you know, but, you know, this is blog talk. <laughs> I, I, I completely agree. And um, most of those things I've, uh, over the years, I've begun to incorporate. And, uh, you know, I've had to kind of shatter my um, theological construct and my, my Christian construct uh, quite a bit over the years uh, since I've left Arkansas. Uh, not so much, not so much as to fit in, or you know, I used to want to be the famous preacher with the TV show and all you know, big stuff. Uh, but uh, for my personal growth and development, you know, I come. I've had a traumatic background, and having to reconcile that traumatic history with my present in order to achieve the future. I I've, I've have a, you know, I've had to take that alternate route. And it's been proving to be effective in, not only in my personal life but in my pastoral ministry. Uh people yeah. see that. Because uh, 'cause I've been appointed, you know, a Methodist, I've been appointed to churches that were torn up, literally. <laughs> right. the, the people were hurt, you know, spiritually abused, spiritually neglected, and I was able to bring that 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 energy that I, I, I'm learning to walk in and change the atmosphere of the church. Um, yeah. Some some are receptive and some we just you know that's that's just too much. Some just can't handle it. Um, well, the key but, is is that uh, the key is is that we all need to try to live a more honest and open life to be authentic, to be true to thyself, to yes. stop lying to yourself. And uh, because you're only hurting yourself, because uh, you yeah. know we are together. We are we are our brother's keeper. That actually is. Um, I have this this acronym that I I have I've been using for the past couple of years at churches I pastor. Uh, it's real, relational, encouraging, authentic, and loving. And I begin each year with a series regarding that. So the people understand the mission of our church is regarding this. You know, we want to be embracing of all people uh, without discriminating uh, cautiously now, because <laughs> uh, the religious environment now is just crazy. But yeah. uh, uh, but that authenticity is what I stress, and being being aware of yourself is another thing. Being aware, uh, having that awareness of who you are and in where you are and all kinds of things, you know. It, it, it blows my mind the more I, I get into it because sometimes I get pulled away back into that traditional sense of, oh, you're a pastor, stick to the stuff that, that you know, get the amens. Right, right. And a lot of times, uh, you know, that's the great temptation of pastors today because, you know, many times we... we uh, you know, we are we are part of a community. We have physical needs like everybody else. We uh, need money to pay mortgages and rent and 
card notes and everything like that. You know, your family, your little girls um, or sons, whether they want uh, modern clothes like everybody else, your wife um, wants to be able to go shopping like everybody else. And so because people, the ego can rule in a church and people can get so full of themselves, they want you to say what they, they want you to say what they already know. And if you and if you say what they already know, that makes them say amen, they will give you trinkets. They will give you money. They will give you anniversaries because you make them feel good. Well, that's dangerous because the end result of that is that they don't grow. If they don't grow, they don't have power. If they don't have power, they cannot change not only their personal life, but the church does not have power to back up its words, its, its statements with results. And so we end up losing as a community. We see the rising of criminal activity, the breakdown of families, the the inability to develop a community to make it more prosperous and more and more safe. We see all this because the church people are unwilling to upgrade their spirituality. Therefore we gotta have a we gotta have a cadre of courageous pastors who are willing to empower themselves with the with the power of God, the power of spirit, uh, to be able to calm the storm, to be able to um, part the Red Sea, to move our people toward deeper spiritual, social um, liberation, emancipation. And that's what I think the Spirit of God is calling and raising up courageous ministers who are willing to take the mystical challenge and know thyself, and at the same time, take the social challenge of being a revolutionary or an evolutionary, if you will, to make a difference in community. And that's the power, and that's the and that's the call of the church collectively. If the people and the leaders are willing to be that force in the community, if they are willing. That, that's an awesome point, and we have to close on that point. <laughs> have to end on that point. We actually went over the time, and uh, so we stopped the live stream, but it's still recording. So there's some people who are accessing the archive, and they're listening as we're recording. But I, I want to appreciate. I want to again say thank you so much. Uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how can they do that? If they want to, uh, I didn't even mention your book, but if they if they just want to get in touch with you, learn more about. Uh, what we talked about on the show, uh, anything like that, how can they do that? You can reach me at 870-872-1582. I'm Richard Bullard. I'm the author of a book called Telling It Like It Is. And um, I'll be happy and willing to share anything I can to make anyone's life a little better. All right. And I appreciate you for joining me. I thank you for enlightening me and the audience, I I told you that I it was going to be an experience. So, and I, I appreciate that, and I, I'm grateful. And next time I'm well, in Pine Bluff, so I'll I'll hit you up next time I'm in there <laughs> up that way. Hey, please do, please do. Uh, you have a great day, man. God bless you. God bless you too. Namaste. Namaste. All right, that's the end of the show for this week. Um, and I want again uh, Went over the time, but I'm glad that you were able to stay. Uh, those of you who are listening, uh, appreciate it. 
We won't be broadcasting next week. We'll be in Hattiesburg, Mississippi for an annual conference, but we'll be back on the 19th, and uh, uh, we'll have another very special guest who will be sharing with us about um, race, politics, uh, and a wonderful woman of God. We'll be looking forward to that. too. So until uh, next time, we uh, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal saying thank you. God bless you. And tune in again. Same Zero Network, same Zero Station, if that makes any sense. We're out. <laughs>